Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Jeff is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Jeff. Maybe you, like me, have noticed the battle that goes on in your heart. You, um, you hear about a, a friend that finally dug out of the, the, the big financial crunch and the, and the real estate bubble, and they're now, they've actually put money down there. They purchased a new home. It's got a swimming pool, and they're thinking right now, it's May. It's just starting to get warm, and I can't wait till I can do my barbecues outside now, and then I can jump in the pool, and you are, you are happy for them with part of your heart. But there's another part of your heart that, that goes immediately to, well, I'm still doing my barbecues in my rock and cactus garden with no swimming pool. I'm happy for them, but I'm not so happy for myself. And that, that battle goes on. Or, or you've heard about the recent uptick in, in the stock market, and you're, you're grateful that our country as a whole is doing better. The economy, the, there's more jobs out there. It's, it's wonderful to hear your friends are, are finding jobs sometimes after a, a long hiatus. And, and yeah, but you're still digging out of tens of thousands of dollars out of debt. And while you're happy that the country is doing better, your heart struggles a little bit because you look at your credit card bill and you're not quite so happy. Or, it being May, maybe you just heard of a good friend or a family member that is going to be taking their graduation walk. And, and you're excited for them to get that that bachelor's degree or that master's degree or to be able to finally call them Dr. So-and-so. How awesome will that be that your, your buddy is going to be Dr. So-and-so? And yet there's a little part of you that, that says, man, I, <laughs> I always wanted to go after my, my doctorate degree. Or I always wanted that, that master's degree or that college degree. And why haven't I gotten around to it yet? You're happy for them, and yet you struggle internally with what's going on inside of yourself. Maybe you got on Facebook this last week. Ladies, maybe you saw a, a friend whom you haven't seen for a little while, a good Facebook friend, and they just posted a picture of themselves down 25 pounds and fitting into those jeans. So amazing. And you're so happy they've lost 25 pounds. And yet, mm, when am I going to lose my 5, my 10, my 15? When am I going to post my picture on Facebook? Or maybe there's even a little bit of, I'm happy for it, but does she have to flaunt it in front of the entire world? You see, these are, this is the battle that goes on inside of all of our hearts. It's not just you, it's me, it's the entire world. And that's why we have this series, Four Battles We Must Win. And we've talked about, we've talked about the internal battle that we have with guilt. We know we're forgiven. We know that Jesus died on the cross. We, we know that, that he's taken away every one of our sins. And yet, who in here doesn't feel massive twinges of guilt from time to time? 
And there's a battle going on inside of our heart. Two weeks ago, we talked about the battle with anger. We know that God is the judge and we're not. We know that God has told us, don't take revenge. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Give it over to me. I'll take care of things. I know as God of the universe, when justice is required, when mercy is required, when grace is required, stop being angry and give it to me. We know that, and yet we still find ourselves getting wound up tighter than a Timex watch inside and just wanting to burst forth on someone. Those are the battles that we're talking about. And if you've ever said something like this, Did I just say that? Or did I just do that? Or where in the world did that come from? Or I can't believe I just acted that way. Or that's just not me. I'm normally a good person. You've ever said that, thought that? Then what you're admitting to yourself is, you have an internal battle going on. And that's, that's going to come this morning to the topic of greed. Because I believe that many of us, and the Bible teaches us, in fact, more importantly than my beliefs, that many of us, if not most of us, if not all of us, have a heart battle going on with greed. And I want to be clear from the very outset that this morning, we're not just going to be talking about money. Because as we'll read a little bit later, Jesus says there are all kinds of greed. And I'll I'll talk to you a little bit more about some of those kinds of greed that we can face. And you you may not be that person that needs a lot of money in your life. Maybe you grew up without a lot. Maybe your parents taught you constantly money doesn't bring happiness. And you've believed that. You've internalized that deeply. And you're tempted right now to switch off because you're saying, you know what? I think God has helped me with that one. I, I'm not all that greedy, I don't think. Well, I'm, I'm encouraging you strongly stay tuned because today's message is not only about a greed for money. We'll talk about money. But there are different kinds of greed that we need to address this morning too. So stay with me on this. On every one of these, we've used a metaphor. And it's a biblical metaphor. And it really teaches us that all of these battles really involve a sort of debt that we feel that we owe. Do you remember what guilt was? Guilt was, I owe God or I owe my neighbor something. I have somehow incurred a spiritual or emotional or even physical debt with God or my neighbor. I owe them. That's guilt. Talked about anger. Anger's not I owe God or I owe you, but anger is you owe me. And today we're going to talk about greed as a debt too. Greed is I owe me. I owe myself this. And that is a very prevalent thought. In fact, advertisers and marketers will play on this thought all the time. You deserve a break today. Have it your way. 
You deserve this. You owe it to yourself. And so our culture feeds this idea in us that we owe ourselves certain things. And that's what greed is defined as. The idea that I owe myself something. And this goes, this goes way back, guys. Take a look at the Old Testament prophet Ezekiel. My people come to me as they usually do and sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. This is key. People are coming to church in Old Testament times. They're listening to what the prophets and the priests have to say, but they're walking out the door and not putting them into practice. This is what we at Crosswalk Church have called over and over and over again, compartmentalization. This is putting God in a box. It's when any of us, like they did in the Old Testament, reserves a certain time or place for God. And when we're not in that time slot or we're not in that, that physical position, that place, then, then God is put on the shelf. He's put in a compartment, a box. And we compartmentalize our spiritual life as something separate from the rest of our 24-7 existence. God belongs at church. He belongs in our growth group. We, we pull him out back again for, for growth groups for a little while. But the remainder of the weeks, week, we, we will say things like, well, this is not church. This is business. And, and now, you know, I'm a businessman, not a Christian. And when we do that, when we think that way, when we believe that the principles that we learn here on Sunday are something only for church and that they're not real and they don't belong in the rest of our lives, we're doing exactly what Ezekiel was talking about here. That's church, but this is business. That's church, but this is my crazy family. And I know God wouldn't expect me to act the way pastor said on church. He knows my crazy family. There's no way I can bring grace, mercy, and forgiveness to these people. And, And so we compartmentalize. And that's exactly what Ezekiel is attacking here. He's saying, look, break that down. Take a sledgehammer to that compartment, that box. Notice what he says. Their mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. They come to church. They talk the talk. But Ezekiel says, then they destroy their talk and their integrity because they're so greedy. Not just an Old Testament problem, though. Underline these words, the very first four words. We underline these words, having lost all sensitivity. Paul says the real problem is these people's consciences have been seared. They don't even get what their own hearts are telling them. They don't even understand that their beliefs are off because they've become numb. And in their numbness, they have given themselves over to sensuality. Sensuality being whatever makes me feel good right now. So as to indulge. You know what indulge is? Indulge is you know how to make excuses and rationalizations for everything. Well, normally I wouldn't eat that bowl of ice cream, but 
right now I'm pretty ticked off, and if I don't have that bowl of ice cream with some chocolate on top of it, you're indulging yourself because the rationalizations come easy, right? So that's what Paul is saying. Having lot, they're numb, and so they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed, meaning they are full of the thought, I owe myself this. And it's a constant refrain inside their little head. I owe it to myself. I owe it to myself. I owe it to myself. Two, and then you fill in the blank. And can I just ask you an honest question? How do you fill in that blank? Because how any of us fills in that blank tells us what we truly value. And, and when, when we fill in the blank, we're, we're actually identifying something very important. We're identifying for ourselves what we are greedy for. And there, there's a reason we're greedy. I talked about anger as a secondary emotion. But greed is also, in a sense, a secondary emotion because it's often driven by fear. And the reason, as we're going to read in just a moment, that there's all, all kinds of greed is because when we're afraid, what's the very first thing that we want to do? I love being behind the wheel. But... Being the, being the non-sexist guy that I am, Julie often drives with me clenching my hands like this because she drives differently than I do. If you've ever noticed a blur going down baseline that's navy blue, that may be my wife. And... And she tends to come to a stop a little bit closer to the vehicle in front of her than I would prefer to. And so, do you know what refrain runs through my mind as I'm riding in the passenger seat? I got to get back behind the wheel somehow. How do I do this? Is it okay for me to ask just pull over and I'll drive? I'll give you the answer to that. It's not okay. (laughs) When we're afraid, we want control. That's the point. And it's true of all of us. But what is it? What you're greedy for is a fear issue, which leads you to want control, which leads you to want more and more and more of something. And how you fill in the blank, whatever that is, I owe myself blank. That's what you're greedy for because that's what you think can give you control and that's what you think can calm and still your fears. Now, for some of us, it's absolutely money. If I'm in debt, I I walk around all the time constantly going, oh, oh my goodness. But for some of us, it's not money at all. That's why some of us can charge up our credit cards to the max, every one of them. We got five credit cards charged to the max. We're not nervous because that's not what makes us feel safe and secure. Who cares? I got debt. I'm paying 21%. 
God will figure it out. So, so what is it that makes you feel in control? I, I have a buddy who, when he gets super stressed, you know where he goes? He goes to the gym every time. If I call him and he tells me this is the third time I've been in the gym today, I know he's stressed about something. Some of you feel in control and can only calm your fears when you have your calendar just like, bing, bing. For me, that's one of the things I'm greediest about. Money... It's always going to be a little bit of an issue, I think, for all of us. But for me, when I think about greed, it's like I got time is my most important asset. And therefore, when, when, when people ask for some of my time, I'm just telling you right now, I'm greedy about my time. And I apologize to all of you right now. Because it, I really feel like I I have a sense of control and it calms my fears when I know what I'm doing with my time. If you look at my calendar, people look at my calendar and they go, everything is an appointment in there. Don't you have any time where there's no appointment? I schedule on my calendar when I'm going to take some time to relax. Because I know, I want to know exactly what I'm doing every minute of the day. I'm a control freak about my calendar. Because I'm afraid. I'm afraid that if I'm not in control of my calendar, I'm not in control of my life. So what is it for you? Because whatever it is that gives you a sense of peace and calm in the midst of the chaos, because all of our lives are chaotic to an extent. They all are. But there is something that you grab hold of. For some of us, it might be possessions. For for some, some of us, it might be the respect and the honor of others. If I'm surrounded with friends and, and, and co-workers who hold me up and say, wow, he's awesome. Just hearing my reputation is solid makes me feel in control of my life. And the moment something happens to, to take my reputation down a little bit, I no longer feel in control. Maybe it's having authority and power over others. You're, you're constantly asking yourself, how do I climb the ladder? There are all these things that we can be greedy for. And that's the point. Because you know what? If you've only ever thought of greed as a money issue, you've probably hidden your own greed from yourself. And greed in general is easy to hide. I know a pastor who says, I've never met a greedy person. You know what he means by that? He's never met a person who is willing to say, I struggle with greed. Because most of us rationalize in it, we minimize it, and we don't see it in ourselves. I want you to write this down. Greed is easy to hide even from ourselves. You see why Paul starts with having lost all sensitivity? Because greed is easy to hide even from ourselves. Most of us have lost sensitivity to our own greed. But look at what the Bible goes on to say and why we need to raise the sensitivity level. 
Because greed is so destructive to our souls. In the book of Proverbs, I want you to read this one together with me. Help me out here. Proverbs 15, 27. The greedy bring ruin to their households, but the one who hates bribes will live. You see that? Be greedy and you will wreck your household. Greed is like a huge wrecking ball ready to come in and destroy your home. That's what God is saying. And here's where we get the phrase, all kinds of greed. This is Jesus talking. Luke 12, 15. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Will you, will you underline that phrase, all kinds of greed? And we've talked about those already, so I'm not going to dive further into that. It's whatever you fill into your blank, this is what makes me feel safe and in control. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And Jesus might as well have said, life does not consist in an abundance of muscles and cardiovascular health. Life does not consist in an abundance of healthy reputation and honor and respect. Life does not consist in an abundance of of anything that belongs to this life. As we'll see. So here's what I want you to write down. God makes it clear that greed is not harmless. Just like every other sin, it is destructive. But it is something to guard against. And here's why we have to guard against it. I finally got fed up with just sitting in the passenger seat with Julie driving. And I decided that I could do something about this. I got myself a steering wheel. And I'm telling you, this was wonderful. As long as I had my hand on the steering wheel, and by the way, I also have a little air brake down there on the floor. Like, I was feeling good about being in the passenger seat. It was working awesome. Until one day, my dear wife, my lovely wife, she is beautiful. We love each other very much. But... She looked over at me with this sort of crazed look in her eye and said, you realize, don't you, that that steering wheel is not connected to anything in this car. And that, that floorboard that you keep pushing down there, not connected either. You see why God says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed? Now, this was making me feel more secure. Pressing on the floorboard helped me. In some way, it was working for me. And guess what? When you pile up money, there is a way in which it works for you. It does calm your fears a little bit. When you go to the gym, even studies show it helps keep us calmer. It does. When you have a good reputation... Even the Bible says, have a good reputation with outsiders. Don't you see that even the Bible says many of these things are good things that we rely on, but they become bad when we forget that we're never really in the driver's seat. And that these steering wheels that we bring into our life to help us gain a sense of control and a sense of safety are not really connected to anything important. 
Yes, they calm our mind. Yes, they give us a little sense of peace for a while, temporary. But it's not a permanent sense of peace, and it's not a solid sense of peace, which is why Jesus is constantly saying, don't build your house on sand, build it on the rock. And that's what he's teaching us to do today. How to build our house on a rock so that we can put aside greed of all kinds and feel truly safe and know who's truly in control for our benefit. So let's read on. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And, then, and when she says, she calls her friends and neighbors together. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and, and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Now, here's the interesting thing this is not about coins, it's not about money at all. You know what it's about? Read on. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Can I ask you this? If greed is about whatever we value because it gives us control and it calms our fears, and if money does that for us, we try to amass money and so on and so forth, what are the angels greedy for? What is Jesus greedy for? One sinner who repents. You know what's interesting? I'm not here to teach you today that a holy God is not greedy because he is greedy. He's just greedy about different things than you and I are naturally greedy for. You and I, we tend to be greedy for the things of this life. But Jesus is saying up there in heaven, we're greedy for other stuff. And what we celebrate, what we raise two fists in the air about is, is this. When someone who doesn't know Jesus and when someone who is on the wrong path makes a U-turn and turns around and, and sees their sin and takes it to Jesus and takes it to the cross and the empty tomb, that's when angels raise their fists. That's when angels sing and celebrate and rejoice because angels and me and the Heavenly Father, what we're greedy for is souls. We want to win souls because we want people in heaven with us for eternity, not in hell. In the same way, I tell you, Jesus says, there is rejoicing in heaven in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And why is this? One? Yeah, because look at what he says. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Here's what Jesus would do about our perspective, all of our perspective. He would say, let's weigh these two things in the balance. In this scale, one soul. In this scale, the thing that human beings value the most, oh, wait a minute, not the thing, not one thing, not several things, all the things. In fact, place 
the highest valued things and even the lowest valued things of the entire world in this scale and place one single soul in this scale, which is more valuable? Which way is the scale going to go? Everything in the world here, one soul here, bam. This has more weight and more value in the sight of God than all of this put together. Jesus says, what, what would any of us give? Would you give the entire world? He'd say it wouldn't be worth it if he even had it to give. So Jesus' heart is generous. Have you ever asked yourself, why is, why is Jesus so generous? Why is his heart so big? Because generosity places a high value on souls. And Jesus goes on and he says this. So, if generosity places a high value on souls, then here's your next step. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why not? Moths and vermin destroy them here. And where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. About a year ago, Men's Warehouse had this awesome sale on, two suits for the price of one. I thought to myself, man, I haven't bought a new suit in a long time. I don't have much use for suits anymore. But it was two for one. We'd been saving for a little while for this, so we went to men's warehouse. I bought myself two suits. They hung in the closet. They looked so beautiful and pristine. Every now and then, yesterday, some of you saw me in one of those suits at Judy's funeral. Every now and then, I put one on for special occasions. And then about six weeks ago, maybe eight weeks ago, I pulled one of the suits off the hanger and started looking carefully at it and noticed, yep, must have a moth in our closet somewhere because there were little tiny holes eaten in that suit. You know how I reacted? (sighs) I just bought this. I got a great deal. I guess that great deal wasn't so great anymore. But have you ever noticed that's exactly what happens to all the stuff Here on planet Earth, just like Jesus said, that we build up thinking that, that, you know, man, I feel so in control, so safe when I'm wearing this suit. And then moths eat it. But moths don't just eat suits. At work, there are moths who will eat through that carefully tended reputation you've spent so much time and effort building up. They're there. You know who they are. There are thieves who will come in and steal that respect that you've wanted to gain because your respect and your reputation mean you feel safe and in control. You can build up a lot of money, and there have been a lot of millionaires who did this, and all of a sudden one day... But what happened to my checking account? There's nothing left. Some of you have been on that roller coaster. Lots of money. Less than no money at all. Lots of money. And you've allowed yourself to feel safe when the bank account is up here and in control. And when it's down here, you're just pulling your hair out. When Jesus is saying, 
is that we need to expect that if we, if we feel safe in the things of this world, guess what? Moths are going to come. And fe- How many of you have been broken into? Any, anybody here besides me? Have you been broken into? Were, did you expect it? You know what? Those of you who haven't been broken into yet, you're the ones who should be surprised according to what Jesus is saying here. Those of us that have been broken into, judging from what Jesus is saying, we're the ones who should think, yep, that's exactly what Jesus said would happen. We shouldn't be surprised by being broken into by thieves. It's you who haven't yet been broken into who should be going, wow, that's amazing. It hasn't happened to me yet. Do I store up the right things in the right places? This is the question we have to answer. And I want you to really reflect on what Jesus says here in verse 21 before we move on. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what? When I read that, I've heard it so many times, it feels right to me. But actually, if you read it with fresh eyes, it says the exact opposite of what it should say. Doesn't it? Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be. But shouldn't it say where your heart is? That's what you're going to treasure? He doesn't say that, though. So what is he saying? What he's saying is, whatever you surround yourself with, because you you treasure it, your heart's going to grow on that thing. Now, my parents used a technique like that to teach me to eat peas. If we just keep giving these boy, this boy, even though he gags on him now, like when I first started eating peas. Sorry, guys. I know you enjoyed that. But my parents gave me one pea for a couple months, and then pretty soon I noticed there were two peas, and then there were three, and then there were five, and then there were ten, and then there were more than I could count. And guess what? Today I love peas. Because my parents surrounded me with peace. They've become my treasure and my heart has reached out to them. You surround yourself with friends and coworkers who shore up your reputation. That's your treasure. And guess what? That's where your heart's going to go. You surround yourself with money and people who say, we got to drive the right cars, we got to have the right roof over our heads, and that's your surroundings, that's your treasures, that's where your heart's going to build. Whatever you surround yourself with, that is where your heart is eventually going to go. That's why Jesus says, be on your guard. Because whatever, whatever you're surrounding yourself with, to feel less afraid, more in control, your heart is going to start to build a little foundation into those things. And when they're ripped away, eaten by moths, or stolen by thieves, you're going to feel all shaky. You're even going to go, God, what are you doing? Don't you know that when you gave me that, God, that made me feel safe? And Why did you take it away? Well, here's why God took it away. Because you built your heart on that instead of on him. And God wants your heart founded 
on him, not on the stuff of this world that he gives you for temporary use. And that's so clear in Luke 12. There's this guy who who just did super well in his harvest, so well that he said, I got to build bigger barns. I can't even store all this stuff. This is awesome. In fact, I think I'm set for life. I'm just going to settle in here with all this stuff and my bigger barns and eat. Can you finish the phrase? And drink. Finish it with me. And be merry. And this is what God said to him. God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up, and I want you to circle the word things, for themselves. Things for themselves. That entire phrase, things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Circle that, rich toward God. And here's the point of this passage, and I'm going to just have you write it in. Anything that turns our hearts only towards ourselves is the wrong thing. And anywhere that prevents us from being rich towards God is the wrong place. So I asked you before, and you filled it in. Do I store up the right things in the right places? And here's how you judge that. If it's something that turns your heart toward yourself instead of toward God, it's the wrong thing. I have to put more money in my bank account. I have to do something about my reputation. I have to make sure I tend to my friendships so that I'm surrounded with people and family who love me. I have to go to the gym. Anything that turns your heart toward yourself and away from God is the wrong thing. Anywhere that prevents us from being rich toward God is the wrong place. If your money goes in your bank account and stays there, and you say, I I need that there to be safe, and I cannot give it to God, because if I give it to God, I won't feel safe. If it's about your reputation... And, and you are not able to say, my reputation does not belong to me. It belongs to God, and I'm content with whatever he has people thinking about me. That's, I'm good with that. If you can't say that, you're storing up things in the wrong places. And Jesus says there's a better, a better place. And there's a better thing. A far better thing in a far better place. See what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1? Peter writes, In his great mercy, this is God, In God's great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept where? In heaven for you. Jesus is telling us exactly the opposite of what we might expect. You might have come into this message today saying, okay, I get it. This is about greed. Pastor Jeff is going to teach us from the Bible about how to be less greedy. This is not what I'm teaching you today. I'm not teaching you to be less greedy. I'm teaching you to be more greedy 
The Bible is teaching us to be more greedy for the right things in the right places. God is teaching us, be greedy for me. Want me more than anything else you could possibly want. Jesus is saying, want my cross and the forgiveness I won for you there more than anything else. Want my blood and my righteousness. Want an eternal home in heaven that I've won for you. Store up treasures there. And they're all saying, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the angels in heaven are singing and saying, want souls, treasure souls, win souls, and start with your own. How many of us are, are, are traipsing around everywhere trying to build up bank accounts and reputations and bodies? And in that, our soul is getting left behind. The very thing that Jesus says is worth more than all the other stuff in the world. We're leaving it behind. We don't even have time for it. And if we don't have time for our own soul, if we don't have time for our own soul that is worth more than all the world combined, how can we possibly have time for the soul of someone else? We can't. And so today's message is about being more greedy, more greedy for souls, your own and the souls of others. More, more greedy for forgiveness and life and salvation. More greedy for Jesus and more greedy for God. And as you leave today, I hope that every one of you is saying, I've got to become a more greedy person because that's what's truly valuable. That's what truly gives me control. That's what truly makes me feel permanently safe. That's the rock I have to build my life on. Not the sand of the other stuff. See, generosity, which is the opposite of greed, I like to call it the other G word. Generosity flows when we know Jesus is the only one and heaven is the only place anyone truly needs. Now, what happens when that happens? Can you imagine this for a moment? What happens when Jesus becomes the only one I truly need and heaven becomes the only place I I need? Generosity flows. We become rivers and no longer reservoirs. See, greed is about collecting and hugging and hoarding because it makes us feel safe. Generosity is about being a river, passing it downstream because there we know God's going to take care of us. What happens? Look at what happened in 1 Chronicles twenty nine fourteen. But who am I and who are my people? that we should be able to give as generously as this. Everything comes from you, and we have given you only what comes from your hand, O God. You know what I love about this church? Evidence of that kind of generosity abounds everywhere. The fact that we're already done, almost, with phase one of Beyond Borders, doesn't that tell you that the Holy Spirit is at work in hearts in this, in this church family? We're announcing Commitment Sunday today 
And we have over $70,000 already given to Beyond Borders. That's incredible to me. Yeah, that's God. We're, we're announcing Beyond Borders Phase 1. We're starting a Saturday night worship service. And I'm, I'm going to put up a list. I wish I'd have thought, instead of volunteer positions, to put volunteer opportunities. And I'm really glad that I did not put up volunteer needs. Because guess what? The generosity of our church has already filled all the needs that we have for all three services of phase one. You notice that you came today and everything was set up as it usually is? The church is ready for you? That the lobby looks clean and that there's several people handing out programs to you? That there's a children's ministry going on back there? A youth ministry? We'll probably hear them in a minute. That might be them. Because all the needs are filled, but not all the opportunities. There are still many opportunities. And and if you want an outlet for your generosity, that's why I'm putting that slide up. Just in case you want to take a look at it and say, hey, there are still opportunities. And there are for me. And it's not all about money at Crosswalk. It's also about time. It's also about talents. And, and some of you have money that you will give to Beyond Borders, and some of you have time and talents that you will give to Beyond Borders because I'm telling you, I constantly am saying similar things. Who am I as pastor of this church? And who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? It amazes me constantly. To see people stepping up and and saying, I'm part of this family too. I'm not going to just let other people do it. I know how I feel when other people are, are, are at my house and I'm washing all the dishes and they're sitting at the table playing cards. I know how that feels. I want to be part of this. I want to, I want to feel like I am seizing the day and taking the opportunity. Who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything, Lord, comes from you. And we've given you only what comes from your hand. Take that attitude and remember that Jesus is the greatest treasure you could ever win. And you're going to be a generous person. You're going to live by the other G, not greed. Let's pray. Your Father in heaven, we thank you so much that you have brought us to this hour of worship, to this time where we can honor you and glorify you and say to you, who are we that we should be able to be this generous? And Lord, it's because you were generous and your generosity flows from your kind of greed. You were greedy for every soul in this room and you were greedy enough to pay a heavy price, your own life your own blood, so that you could win our souls. Lord, as we receive the benefit of your greed to win our souls, help us to become more greedy too. Greedy for souls, greedy for you, and greedy to help others come to know who you are, their Lord and Savior. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue Baseline on Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now, some closing thoughts from Pastor Jeff. Well, I think most of us thought this message was going to be about being less greedy. And I guess in a sense, it was. Really, all we're saying is all those things that make us feel in control and safe, not really connected to anything. And we need to understand that. But the way that we really battle greed is pretty simple. It's about becoming more greedy for the things Jesus was greedy about. It's about being more greedy for our own souls and especially to win the souls of others. It's about being more greedy for the forgiveness and righteousness won for us at the cross. And it is especially about being more greedy, as we just sang, for Jesus. Let me send you home with the Lord's blessing. Lord, bless you and keep you. The Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, look on you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Just a few quick announcements before you go. We do have a prayer team, so stay seated if you, if you want to pray with somebody after today's service. Also, greet someone you don't know on the way out. Find someone else who's a little bit greedy for Jesus on the way out and talk to them. Have a great day. We'll see you on the patio.